We're seeing a lot of people uh, who are coming out echoing the same message that the NAACP and other civil rights organizations have been echoing for years. And that is, you know, equality for everyone, equal access for everyone, not just, you know, the privileged few, uh, the privileged many, but even, you know, African-Americans, you know, we deserve the same rights and freedom as those uh, as whites. All righty, kids. It is uh, another fine week here at uh, this week, uh, Alabama Politics This mm-hmm. Week. One of these days, I'm going to get the name of this show correct. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, that was it, though. You yeah, said it. I yeah. got. It. I, got it. I went. I went the wrong way first, but we we corrected. I zigged and zagged. Like, yeah, yeah. But you got back yeah. on the right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Got back on the right track. So that's uh, this is uh, Josh Moon. That is David Person, uh, sir. And uh, um, so, uh, anything going on in the world we should talk about? Jeez, oh, I don't know. <laughs> let me give that some thought. Maybe let me do a little Google. And get back to you. Uh, well, so, uh, well, good news. They're not doing COVID anymore. Um, so that's over with. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> but um, I guess, I, you know, and, and I don't know, I don't know whether to say it's, uh, it's bad news or it's... Um, well, it's a, you know, it's a mix, right? So, yeah. You know, we, we, you know we, we've had... Even since the the murder of George Floyd, mm-hmm. we've had some murders mm-hmm. right, uh, by uh, of people at the hands of police officers in mm-hmm. questionable circumstances. Yes. However, however, um, we have seen, I think, a galvanizing of people, not just in the United States but around the world. Yeah. In ways that we've never seen before, mm-hmm. we've seen former. Republican President George W. Bush come out and express his anguish over what's going on and his belief that it's time for America, and I'm paraphrasing his words, but it's time for America basically to account for its past sins. Yeah, we've to been listen to people. It would have been nice if we'd done some of that accounting and say the years 2001 through 2008. Exactly. But, uh, hey, but you know, you know, however you the get party, there, yeah. the party's still going on, exactly. so we'll yeah. let you in. Yeah, you know. And then we even have, and this was the stutter to me, we even have, you know, notoriously, and I would even add. You know, for the most part, idiotically conservative Rush Limbaugh mm-hmm. go on the Breakfast Club, which is a big, mm-hmm. super popular. No, not the movie. This is not, not the, movie the movie with the white kids. No, this is, this is different. The, the urban radio show mm-hmm. that, that broadcasts from New York and is syndicated and podcasted around mm-hmm. the world has roughly the same following podcast wise that we do. Uh, well, in our dreams. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what we dream for. We dream for that. Yeah, they, they are. They, hey, listen, hey, and the ad dollars that goes. With that's it. a that's a very good sh- uh, good show. It and, really is. Uh, and and uh, uh, Charlemagne 
Charlemagne the uh, God. Uh, yeah, yeah, is uh, I mean he he is. I disagree with some of the things, uh, sure, you know, sure. I have, uh, this is going to sound funny given what's going on, but I have, uh, taken offense a couple of times to things he has said about, you know, all, judging all white people, uh, because I don't think that I understand where he's coming from th- uh-huh. from the point of frustration that he's uh-huh. coming from. But, uh, you know, I, I do know some, some white people who have, who have done a lot of good things and he kind of dismisses oh, of them. And, and, um, and I heard him in this, and I was talking about this conversation with Rush Limbaugh. Mm-hmm. All right, so Rush Limbaugh goes on the Breakfast Club, mm-hmm. and he actually says, Rush Limbaugh actually says um, that that the the cop who killed George Floyd needs to be charged with first degree murder, mm-hmm. and the and the and the officers who were watching mm-hmm. need to be charged. Mm-hmm. So you even have right. you know these notoriously and brazenly mm-hmm. and offensively conservative people mm-hmm. who seem to get. That there is something wrong here, and Rush even conceded on the show that there's a pattern. That this is not a one-off. That right. he concedes it's a pattern. Now, what you were saying about Charlemagne, mm-hmm. you know, Charlemagne, you know, he, he's. I think he's different. Probably says different things at different times. Yeah. What I heard him say during this interview, he talked about on this interview how there are people, white people, he said. Who love black people and who love black culture. Mm-hmm. So that almost sounds like it's the opposite of whatever it was you heard. Well, I, I think it was. I mean, the, the the few the few things. First of all, what I was got my point when I went all the way walked all the way around the park to get to it was is he's a very good interviewer. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah and yeah, and yeah. he uh, and he does not mind challenging anyone at any time yeah. about anything. Yeah, he challenges um, everybody. And so uh, that, but. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. It was just uh, there was a few times there where where he has said some things because I listen, I listen to the show uh, whenever I get a chance, yeah. uh, and uh, and I, and I always am very entertained by it, and 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 I found the the information to that that you know is passed back and forth, uh, you know, entertainment wise or, or culturally or whatever uh, to be very good. But it, it was just uh, you know some some comments uh, that that he made about just kind of where where he kind of did to uh, to all white people what he was accusing the white people of doing, you know, yeah, and yeah, and yeah. and that was I mean to, it was disappointing uh, to hear uh, somebody with that sort of a platform just kind of. Uh, unilaterally just dismiss uh, everybody and, and put everybody into the same box. And sure. uh, but you know whatever uh, you know it's you know probably we'll, we'll survive. I suspect. I mean, having I, I've listened to him on and off for a mm-hmm. few years, and I, I, I suspect that may have been a momentary lapse. I mean, he he can be a little. Yeah. Um, uh, let's just, I don't know. Well, I'm going to say emotional. Right. A little bit emotional at times, I think, and in his feelings at times. Mm-hmm. That's my opinion. But I think that that the general pattern is he he absolutely embraces the idea mm-hmm. that not all white people fit in one box, right? Yeah, and, which and most maybe, sensible yeah. black people or all sensible black mm-hmm. people get that. Well, and, yeah. and listen, as for somebody who has said a lot of idiotic things on the radio, and uh, <laughs> uh, I, I uh, over the course of time, I you know I can completely understand that, and and that's fine. But you know, I. I to me, here's the thing that I that I have the problem that I have with what's going on, and, and to mm-hmm. the the point with Limbaugh and some other people there is, is I think that right now saying that the death of George Floyd is wrong is an easy cop out. 
for them. I think it's an easy balancer to mm-hmm. the butt that comes after that. Uh, these, you know, this is wrong, and these people should be punished. But and then they launch into something else that completely dismisses the years and decades and centuries of of pain and anger and anguish. Did you hear the interview? Because you're you're right on point. With what you no, said. I did not. No, no I, you're exactly right. right. That's exactly what happened. Yeah, uh, it dis, dis, dismisses it. And he continued to maintain mm-hmm. that while George Floyd, you know, murder, his murder was unjust and et cetera. Mm-hmm. He also continued to maintain that, as far as he's concerned, there's no such thing as white supremacy or white privilege. It's a construct of liberalism in the Democratic Party, right, yeah. which, of course, is just asinine. Right, of history, the very history of this country, mm-hmm. you know, from from its from really before its origins, you mm-hmm. can go back to to Columbus in 1492, all the way to now. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it all disproves that. No. So having, you know, that what an idiot. Uh, I mean, it just it, look if, if, if to make the point. I mean, of it is uh, take it take a young black man, mm-hmm. put him up for any sort of petty crime in front in our justice system. Yeah. Take a man, a young white man in a suit, put him up for the same crime, and see what happens. It's okay. been proven. Uh, I mean, every it's single time. Proven. And it just, uh, you know, and so that that's my problem. It's not just Rush Jobs, Limbaugh. Jobs, housing. Yeah. It's uh, oh, uh, everything. Governmental and, data. It proves it. Yeah. So the, the column I wrote for today. Yes. Uh, we need to talk about that. Uh, I talked call. about. Thank you. Uh, I, I talked about uh, Devin Adams, uh, yeah. who is a uh, senior football player on the Auburn football team. And, and Devin had tweeted out yesterday um, just a statement about – uh, how he wore his Auburn gear uh, that would let people know that he is a football player on the football team. And he often caught flack for that from people saying, uh, you, you obviously want people to know you're on the football. You must want people to know you're on the football team. And he said, no, that's not exactly why. A lot of times it's a defense mechanism to make sure I get home safe at night, mm. uh, which is basically saying that I'm going to get more respect as a football player in this state from law enforcement and people and uh, in my community than I am as just a regular black kid walking. I mean, this is a kid going to school. He's on, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, he may have already graduated. I know uh, that in, in looking him up and reading about him because Devin doesn't play he's, uh, a lot. He's a backup quarterback on the team and has been for several years. Uh, but I know, Know that he has also gone to Montgomery a few times and read to school kids there mm. uh, and done a lot of other things. So, so, you know, but that's how he feels every day. Uh, let, let me tell you, that was a brilliant. I thought it was a. I said it was a good column. It was much better than a good column. It was a great column because you captured some news that I think many of us weren't aware of. A that this young man had tweeted this out. Mm-hmm. And somebody of his his level of notoriety in the state. And then secondly, it, it's such a complete uh, symbol. It's so indicative of where we are today, mm-hmm. where black people are today, and what white people ought to be thinking about today, which is, why should that be the difference? Yeah. Why should that? He's a black man wearing an Auburn shirt, mm-hmm. you know, or, or Auburn football gear, literal football gear. Why should that be the difference between whether or not he gets a knee to the neck mm-hmm. or not? Yeah. You know? I, I mean, I mean that's, that's something that we all ought to be thinking about. It, at the very least, at the very least, what I said in here, I said, you know, maybe it's an exaggeration at times uh, from, from what he feels. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe it is an overreaction at times, you know, from, from his situation. And, and he was never in any danger. 
But that's how he feels. Well, that's um, how he feels, and the empirical data shows that mm-hmm. he has reason to feel that way. So even if the situation in Auburn isn't so highly racially, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so okay. highly racially strong that you know um, that 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 he really shouldn't have to worry. What he's really speaking to is the reality that because of what's going on around him, perhaps what has gone on in wherever he's from, mm-hmm. you know, you know, this is something that he has come to carry with him. Right. And I think that's that's the other thing. I'm a 57 year old black man, you know, who, you know, hasn't been harassed by the police, if you want to call it that. In years, and I'm going to be honest and say what I was subjected to. The last time I can say I was literally harassed by the police, Mm -hmm. I was probably 19 or 20 years old, you know, but still those moments mark you, Mm -hmm. you know, and you put them in the larger context of what's happening around you and you realize it could happen to me. It could happen to me. Mm -hmm. You know, even what scares the hell out of me even more is that it could happen to my son. Yeah. You know, now there's one thing I did want to ask you about in the column. And again, brilliant column, loved it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm so glad you wrote it. Um, You have a line in here where you say the color of a person's skin Mm -hmm. is as meaningless as the color of their shoes. Mm -hmm. I understand what you're conveying in the context of the column, Mm -hmm. but I did want to suggest this. Sure. In this country, Color is a, this is one black man's opinion, mm-hmm. color is a, is symbolic of, or, or a, a cultural shortcut for mm-hmm. legacy and, and culture. Mm-hmm. So I would argue that the color is actually not meaningless because it at the very least does suggest to people who see us um, what our American experience perhaps has been like and probably right. has been like. It, it, it expresses what our cultural affinities have a high probability of being, mm-hmm. even though black people are no more monolithic than white people are monolithic. Mm-hmm. So there is, you know, it's not it's not like a hard and fast rule. It's not a scientific algorithm, but at the same time, I think it does indicate something of substance. And I know we as black people, most of us, mm-hmm. I would say, at least in my experience, most of us want people to see us in totality. Meaning, mm-hmm. don't just see me as David Person. See me as David Person, who's an African American, right? Right, yeah, and, and yeah, you know, I had to go back and look because honestly, when I write this stuff, I just kind of forget about it. But uh, <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I, I, not to say that it's unimportant, but I mean, I try to, you know, I try to write it and then move on. Uh, no, no, I get as, it. As, as, look, as, I, I write for a living too. I get it. Uh, I understand. But uh, you know, so uh, I understand a hundred percent what you're saying. I, I do. I, I, but I wanted to say I, I don't. I wasn't trying to say it, that that it was unimportant. In in the 
I get, I guess the viewpoints of the people or, or the, the lives of the people, mm-hmm. uh, that, that are, that are living it or in, in terms of the legacy and history and all that. What I, what I was more getting to was that for your children, for your white children, uh, that to these people that I was, I was te- talking to, cause I said, teach your children, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. that, you know, that the, the color of the skin of somebody is, is unimportant when, when you're looking at, uh, things such as friendship and love, absolutely, uh, yeah, absolutely. you know, and that that's what I wanted to convey was mm-hmm. was that it was that kind of uh, that kind of dismissiveness of color sure. uh, was uh, just to make sure that we're you know because because really you know you get a couple of kids together and, and you know I my daughter's two and. You know what I mean? It doesn't. Uh, our next door neighbors, our next door neighbors, little girl is a black girl, and and they play, or you know, they're out in the driveway talking to each other. They don't have any idea, you know, about about any of this, or that there's some problem or whatever. They've got to learn that. Yeah. Uh, and and so I think to me that if you if if they learn this, that there's there's nothing there's nothing wrong there. There's nothing that's as meaningless as is what color shoes she's got on. Uh, you know, be be friends. And I think even when they do notice. It, they don't ascribe any negative connotation right. to it. Yes, you know it's just oh well, that's you're different. You're a little different than I am. Yeah, my son was calling himself beige when he was two or three, <laughs> you know? and and you know technically he was right. His right. tone was beige. Yeah, but uh, I had to, but immediately of course as the the super liberal mm-hmm. you know quasi militant black you know father. I'm like, hey, wait a minute, son. <laughs> In the spirit of Frederick Douglass, I command you, you are black, my Listen, brother. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you this. I understand that Frederick Douglass guy is doing a lot of good things. Yeah, that's uh, what I've heard. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a, a lot pretty, of, still busy. A lot today. of good things. Now, you got to, before we go, I know we got to run, get out of this segment so we can talk to Bernard Simulton with mm-hmm. the NAACP. But mm-hmm. I got to ask you a question. Sure. You said in your column, and I thought this was, you, you really teased my brain here. Mm-hmm. You said your daughter is named for a civil rights icon. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was, I was going through the, you know, all the history. Her name is uh, her name is Anderson Louise. So can you Anderson Louise? Mm-hmm. Oh well, see, I didn't mm-hmm. see. I went with the Andy because you called her Andy Lou. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, Andy Lou, Anderson Louise. It's the it's the Louise part. The Louise part. Mm-hmm. Okay, so her her middle name is the same middle name as a civil rights hero. And I don't know who that is. Rosa Louise Parks. Well, how about that? Yeah. I didn't know that was mm-hmm. uh, Mrs. Parks' middle name. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Rosa L. Parks. Yeah, yeah, I didn't think about yeah. it. Yeah. Awesome. That's yeah. super awesome, man. I love that. That's, uh, she is uh, probably... Uh, not probably. She is my my favorite. Her and Fred Gray are my favorite mm. uh, two uh, uh, civil rights figures. Uh, I know a lot of people pick you know whoever, but you know I was in Montgomery for a long time and I got yeah. to know Fred Gray really well and uh, interviewed him a number of different times. Uh, matter matter of fact, uh, when I left the advertiser, uh, one of the first people to send me anything was a letter from Fred Gray and his son, mm. uh, and in enclosed was a hundred dollar check. Uh, oh. To just say, uh, hey man, hope this with whatever you do, I hope this gets that get you started, and nice, uh, and nice. it was uh, um, uh, you know fr- uh, Fred's a, a good good man, and and if I'm telling you now, if if your kids ever need a civil rights figure, 
to yeah. do a project on or report on, uh, look up Fred Gray. You'll be really, really surprised at all the things that that man was involved in. And anyway, uh, Fred he, Gray. He in, lives in, in Atlanta now, right? No, he's still he's in Tuskegee. He's still, he's still in, oh, he's yeah, in Tuskegee. Yeah, got the, got the law offices in Tuskegee still okay. with his son. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, Rosa Parks and and Fred were uh, were good friends, uh, ate lunch together every day in downtown Montgomery before the bus boycott, uh, kind of helped plan the whole thing out. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Rosa Parks has a long, long history that happened long before she took the seat on the bus. That's right. Um, I take people all the way back to 1944 mm-hmm. when, uh, Lee, when uh, Reese Taylor that's right. uh, went down into uh, That's probably not – everybody knows that, but that's probably not the best story. She took on a sheriff down there, too. Uh, and, oh, before, before uh, oh, yeah. Well, I don't know if it's before that, but longer in the same time. She oh, was really? an okay. NAACP investigator at the time, and uh, right. and she uh, she did she did a lot of work. She took on a lot of people, and she was uh, cunning and smart, yeah. and she knew how to how to finagle the system to make it work for her and to work for the people who she was out trying to protect, and how to embarrass the hell out of some white oh, white powerful <laughs> men down there. Uh, well, that, and that may be why I know in um, in uh, in the book um, that Daniel McGuire writes about Reese Taylor's rape and and just the use of rape to terrorize black mm-hmm. women, that may be why the sheriff was so quickly aware of the fact that she was in town. Mm-hmm. And, oh yeah, she and, was and known so adamant about her getting the hell out of town. Yep. She yeah. was a she was a known figure, and yeah. I'm I'm telling you, it's uh. So, anyways, I look forward to over the course of her life telling my daughter all about that, and you know, very cool. Yeah, man. So, I love that. It'd be nice. I love that. All right, uh, when we come, uh, we're going to come back and interview uh, Bernard Simonton with the NAACP, and uh, then we will uh, at the end of this thing we'll get into some news about you know some monuments coming down in this state and some other uh, gassing of peaceful protesters and whatnot. So uh, we'll be back in a minute with Mr. Simonton. Alrighty, welcome back in uh, Alabama politics this week. Uh, Josh Moon, uh, David Person, and we're uh, happy now to be joined by Bernard Salmonton, who is the president of the Alabama State Conference of the NAACP and also sits on the national board of directors with the NAACP. And um, we were just kind of joking uh, before, uh, during, right before we came on here, that uh, this is this got to be a quiet time, doesn't it, Mr. Salmonton? <laughs> yeah, yes, it's, it's quiet, real quiet. Nothing's going on at all. We just <laughs> sit around home every day and do nothing. No, it's, it's, it's very busy time right now. We are uh, uh, phones are ringing off the hook, and uh, you know, and, and there's a call up our national office uh, uh, at least weekly, and then you know, sometime two or three times a week, depending on what they're trying to push out to us. So it, it's very busy time for us, and. Uh, and yeah. so we we're just staying busy every day. Well, we we appreciate you you taking some time to be on here with us and just talk about things. And I th- I guess probably uh, you know you you have been there a while. I know uh, you you've seen a a, a number of of things o- over the course of time, especially in this state. Um, I, I guess I I just like to hear your thoughts on what what's taking place right now, where we are, and and where you think things are going. <laughs> Well, uh, I think we are 
perhaps at a turning point, another turning point in history. Um, there has been a lot that has kind of been brewing for the actually probably since the um, uh, height of the civil rights movement, you know, through the thing with Rodney King and and on to where we are today. Uh, and I, I, I truly believe that this is a, another turning point in the history of America. And the reason I say that, and I say it with some confidence, um, we're seeing a lot of people uh, who are coming out echoing the same message that the NAACP and other civil rights organizations have been echoing for years. And that is, you know, equality for everyone, equal access for everyone, not just, you know, the privileged few, uh, the privileged many, but even, you know, African-Americans, you know, we deserve the same rights and freedom as those uh, as whites. And so I think with the unfortunate death of Mr. Floyd, you know, eyes are open. And also, you know, I'm saying uh, a lot of whites, Caucasians that are speaking out and, and and some of them are young, but some are elderly, too, and saying enough is enough. Now, I guess, you know, the question is, well, what brought this on? Did just the death of Mr. Floyd bring this on? I don't think it was just the death of Mr. Floyd. Uh, but, you know, that was like the catalyst that got everything going. It was a lot of the uh, and really the current administration's policies towards uh, African-Americans that are uh, taking us back to you know the period of the 60s and 70s by trying to undo some of the gains that the uh, uh, that civil rights movement afforded uh, African-Americans. And uh, and so we're hopefully that this will continue to open eyes and uh, as, as one pastor said to me, um, lift that veil that's been over the eyes of many of our citizens. Let me ask you about uh, one of the interesting developments in the state uh, that that has come out of all of these protests. Uh, the monument in Birmingham has been uh, pulled down, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the Confederate monument I'm talking about. And and Attorney General Steve Marshall is now filing a lawsuit. Um, what's your what's your reaction to to that whole process of not just the monument being pulled down, but the but the AG kicking into action? because of this law that's supposed to protect these monuments. Yeah, and that's why I was going to say there's a Monument Protection, a Monument for Preservation Act that's, you know, the Alabama state legislature passed three or four years ago. And so that protects, you know, these monuments. Uh, But I, I think... I, you know, I don't know. I, I didn't know he was filing another lawsuit because he's already sued the city when they put the uh, uh, barriers around it. And uh, uh, the court, from what I understand, 
said that, you know, they could find him a max of $25,000. And so Birmingham has agreed to pay that $25,000. And so they are going to take the penalty for removing this, the uh, monument or statue. And, you know, not only in Birmingham, but uh, there's some talk about the same thing here in Huntsville uh, with the uh, Confederate statue at the courthouse to help it remove. And I know there are uh, some groups that are raising money to pay the $25,000 in the event the county said, well, you know, we don't have the money to remove it, you know, to pay the fine for removing it or whatever. Here's your $25,000, you know, go on and take it down. So I think there are a lot of people who would like to see those monuments removed. And there are a lot that like to, would like to see them remain. But uh, <laughs> I think an increase in number that would like to see them move to, you know, some historical place, of, you know, of that particular group's choosing. In the state of Alabama, can you give us a sense of what the NAACP's involvement has been in responding to uh, incidents of pro- police brutality, uh, not just nationally, perhaps, and 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 whatever the lo- you know responding you know to national events, but also to allegations that have been made locally. Yeah, you know, whenever there is uh, police brutality, we reach out uh, to, of course, the family. And when we get numerous calls uh, and emails of police brutality, you know, at least three or four times a month, you know, and what we try to do is, uh, you know, if the person, if it's a death is slightly different, but if one who has been, uh, you know, uh, assaulted, quote unquote, quote unquote, assaulted by the police. You know what they you know don't assault people, but uh, have been beat up by the police. Then you know we try to work with the police department to find out exactly what happened. You know why is this person saying that? You know you all treated them this way. Why is why is their face all mashed in? Did it take that much force? Now, the the issue that we face, of course, is we don't have attorneys on staff that can file lawsuits against cities. So what we have to resort to is protests. We have to resort to marches and those type of things to get our message across to the people. You know, just like in the Bradford case, and of course, uh, uh, in E.J. Bradford down in uh, uh, Hoover, um, you know, the Crump and his team came in, but, you know, we had uh, numerous uh, uh, protest marches and had meetings with the uh, Hoover Police Department. And uh, we we thought we were making some progress in raising the issue with the police department. But uh, I, I'm not for sure if in the end they fully understood what we were trying to say to them about how particular African-Americans perceive what they are doing, uh, the way they're treating African-Americans. And it wasn't just the E.J. Bradford case. Uh, Incident had happened, uh, I think, about a month before 
his case where uh, one of the Hoover police officers took a parent, a, a female parent down at the school mm-hmm. because she would not move her car fast enough. Uh, you know, it was not in a, it was not blocking the thing. He was out there directing traffic and uh, she wanted to take her daughter in so she wouldn't have to move a car and then walk her daughter back to school and go and go back to the car. So she got out and walked her daughter into the school and and um, be, well, I think the daughter barely got into school, you know, he came out and, you know, of course they had a few words and, and he literally took her down to the ground. And, uh, you know, the uh, principal was saying, do you have to do that in front of all the students? You know, mm-hmm. so, so it, it's those type incidents that, you know, uh, gives the police department you know, uh, a, a bad reputation. And, you know, it was no, nothing in that particular case, was nothing wrong with him waving until she came back to her car. But, you know, he wanted to prove that, hey, I'm a police officer. You're going to do what I want to when I want, when I tell you, and you're going to do it now. And so, you know, that's, that's what it represents. You know, you, you mentioned uh, a minute ago the uh, the Rodney King uh, video and the and the subsequent uh, protests that, that occurred after that, um, and and the you know thirty years or, or however long it has been, and I, I wanted to ask is you you take a look at what's going on now, um, and and you look uh, particularly at, at these police departments who have become more militarized, um, and and you watch how they stand, and you watch how they interact with people, and you watch the the cruelty. Uh, that they uh, demonstrate so often there. And, and listen, you know, I, I guess as a disclaimer, you always have to say, well, you know, there are lots of good cops out there and, and, you know, they should be, it's what we pay them for. And, and, you know, nobody forces them into that profession. And so I, uh, you know, it, it, some way once said, you don't get a cookie for doing the right thing, but um, you know, you, you see what's kind of going on. Is it discouraging to, to think that we are, essentially maybe a f- only a few steps ahead of where we were right after the Rodney King incident? Well, I, I think, it, it, you know, it, it certainly is to some extent it's, it's, it's discouraging to, to people, uh, especially when it comes to interacting with law enforcement, when it comes to equality uh, in, in some cases on jobs. And I know a lot of people will look and say, well, you know, they've got black <clears throat> CEOs and we got uh, women that are CEOs. We got, you know, this or that, the minorities in charge of this. And, th- and that is good. But the fact remains that there is still a lot of discrimination going on. And um, I was talking to uh, a person the other day and uh uh, and I won't name the company, but the company that he works for, he says, you know, at the lower level, you know, you look out there and, oh, man, this company is doing good. They have a lot of, you know, African-Americans working here. But if you look at the management level of that, there are hardly, there are hardly any African-Americans in the management level. So, you know, again, you know, you have these, you know, occasionally uh, people who rise to the top. And again, we, we, we are certainly proud of that. But 
if you look at it overall across the country, we're still lagging behind in uh, in, in uh, uh, salary equality and jobs. You know, uh, substantial you know uh, substantial jobs equality. So that's still a problem for for the United States and for a lot of the companies that you know uh, that people work for. And uh, uh, we, I was last night at a, uh, I went to a school that, you know, the superintendent is, is uh, there are several uh, blacks who want the superintendent move, removed because of something he said. And you look at the total population of the school, which I think it was about uh, 65% African-American, but the teachers and administrators uh, does not reflect that. And I'm not necessarily saying it should, but you would think that it would uh, closer, you know, I think it was about 40% of uh, the teachers and administrators uh, in this particular school. And, you know, same thing with the failing schools, all the black schools in this particular city uh, that were failing. And, and well, they only had one school that was not failing and it was predominantly white. And, it's because of the resources that are being put into these schools. And, you know, that's why these schools in Jefferson County, you know, when people started moving out of Birmingham, you know, they wanted to set up their own independent school district so they could tr- control who, uh, who was really, who, who got into the schools. So we, we still have a long way to go to achieve equality in all walks of life. Marching as a form of protest is really in vogue right now and seems to be very effective. But the downside of it is that you can't control who shows up. Right. And so we have seen, even at the march that we just had in Huntsville uh, just this earlier this week, we've seen that there are people who show up who have a different agenda other than peaceful protest. For example, not only was there somebody there, a white guy actually, at least one white guy, who had a gun, and why he would bring a gun to a peaceful protest, you know, well, I mean, I think the answer is obvious. He was there for some other reason. And then I also noticed myself and heard and watched myself as a as a guy and and I'm not racializing this I'm just stating the facts as they are as a guy uh who happened to be white was standing up above the crowd uh on one of those downtown buildings or the steps of one of those downtown buildings and he shouted out and I'm going to use a profane word here because I'm just going to say it just like he said it he shouted out as I was walking in his general direction he shouted out fuck the police now You know, again, that wasn't the spirit of that protest and that march. You know, the the spirit was peaceful and was even very spiritual, almost religious at times. White people. You can't do anything with them. (laughs) Did you hear Josh? (laughs) Well, I'm not trying to racialize it. I'm just saying it's just in these two cases. They happen to be white. If it was a black guy, I'd, I'd be happy to say he was black, but he wasn't. 
So what what do you do about this, Bernard? As as the as a leader of the NAACP, you know you're going to be involved in more protests and marches. How do you ensure that the integrity of this very American valid form of protest is not undermined by others? Well, you know, that's always a good question. I mean, it's a question that we deal with all the time. And matter of fact, in the NAACP, before we can have a protest, we have to get approval from our national office. Uh, especially if it's I mean, if it's a, a, a rally where we're going to help people there. And that's one of the questions they always ask. Uh, will outside people be able to you know, walk off the street and participate? And the answer is yes. And how do we control that? Well, uh, we don't have a method of controlling that because we cannot control who comes up to the rally because we don't know who all wants to come and, and, and actually, you know, be a part of it versus cause some chaos. So, you know, we, what we're going to do is work for this, for this particular rally. And I know we're having one, another one over in um, uh, Moulton on Saturday. Uh, they are working with the local police departments to ensure that, you know, uh, the presence is there. And, you know, we are not asking the police to, uh, you know, to show force to, you know, we are the big, big bad police. And if you do anything wrong, we're going to arrest you. We want them to be there. We want people to scream out, you know, if they say, you know, we think the the police in Huntsville are rotten there, you know, I, I don't use profanity, but, you know, even if they use profanity, you know, uh, and we don't encourage that, but, you know, I mean, that's, that's a freedom of speech, you know, more or less, mm-hmm. you know, as long as they're not inciting, uh, people to be, to, to riot, you know, so the way, the best way we can do it is involve the police as much uh, law enforcement as much as possible without them taking over the march or the rally or whatever it is, we want their, them to be present because I will say the same thing to the chief on the on, uh, in a closed meeting as I will from the platform as to what I think about policing in America, you know. Mm. And so I, I think, you know, that's the best thing that we can do. And we encourage people to come with the right motive. Don't come there with a motive of you know, wanting to destroy something. And we try to, if we see the crowds getting uh, kind of, you know, riled up because of something someone has said, you know, because some speaker can get the crowd, you know, really pumped up, you know, and get them ready to go out and, and, and do something. And so we, we try to uh, uh, tell the speakers or the presenters to, you know, okay, uh kind of quieting it down so that people won't want to react based on what you're saying. So, you know, that's, that's, those kind of things that we do, but let me go back to one statement you said earlier about people bringing weapons to uh, uh, protests. And of course we know in Alabama that's illegal, but I was uh, listening to uh, our national president, Derek Johnson, uh, who uh, last night, I think it was last night, he was saying that he spoke to uh, the lieutenant governor in Michigan and the lieutenant governor said he was speaking 
and he could look up in the uh, galley and see people up there with, you know, assault weapons. And, you know, that was a form of protest and they are allowed to bring weapons to that. And I know each city, I mean, each state is different, but, you know, I personally don't think people should be allowed to bring any type of weapons to uh, protest anything like that. But again, that's just, you know, what nothing was said, you know, and there was some, you know, some, some agitation that was going on. Uh, but, you know, they had their, there were a bunch of people there. They had their long guns, their assault rifles, you know, and everything. Uh, but, you know, we certainly don't expect that here. And that's not what we're about. And you know, we will have to shut it down if those things start happening. Well, we see them happening. And we have, you know, we have people standing around watching uh, what's going on that they're able to uh, tell us, uh, get back to the people at the podium, you know, uh, if we need to change the course of action, you know. Good. That's good to know. One, one final quick question for me, and then I know Josh is going to wrap it up. Um, what, uh, what outside of these shootings of unarmed black men and, and women in this nation and, 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 and even in this state when such things occur, what, what other issues are at the top of your agenda as the president of the NAACP for the state of Alabama? Well, you know, getting the people out to vote is a, is a big issue. That's always a big issue. And, um, and voting uh, this year is going to be different than it has been in the past um, because of the coronavirus. And there are going to be a lot of people that will not want to go to the polls to vote because I don't want to catch the corona and I don't blame them. So we're trying to make a, trying to make it easy for people to vote. Now, the Secretary of State has said that, you know, if you want to vote absentee, you know, fill out the application and supply the documents and, uh, you know, we'll send you an absentee ballot. But, you know, it's, that requires a ID, a photo ID to be sent. It, uh, if people, I know a lot of people say, well, you know, they can just go to the, um, a copy of the photo ID. They can go to the copy store and, and make a copy and, and, and print it if they don't have a printer or a copy at home. Uh but they're still putting those individuals in harm's way in order for them to exercise their right to vote. So they should not have to do that. So voting is uh, another one of the issues that is, is uh, at the top of our agenda, you know, and uh, economic uh, development for, uh, for, for people of color, including raising minimum wage, that's another issue that, you know, uh, lately we have not been working on that much, but it's still one of the issues that's on our agenda. You know, quality public education is another one that's, you know, remains uh, on our agenda because our education system in Alabama, uh, you know, with the Accountability Act and with uh, all things that are going on, uh, we want to make sure that our students are still being uh, educated. Well, I think that uh, when we talk about 
you know things that can that can truly change the the direction of a, of a community of a state and of the country uh right at the top is voting uh obviously i think uh you know ferguson has has proven that uh you know i think they have a majority of that city council is uh uh minorities at this point and then last night they elected their first black mayor uh so you know i think that people ought to uh, when you say voting is 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 the is one of the main focuses i know that that's the truth and i've I've followed the lawsuits that's taking place over the mail-in voting and uh, trying to give people options during this pandemic for doing that and uh, listen i know i joked with you when you came on that uh, that there's nothing going on but i know y'all are extremely busy over there and we really appreciate you taking a few minutes to uh, to talk with us today and and kind of outlay some of the things that are going on with naacp in this state around the country if if i if you got a minute or two uh uh, the city of pleasant grove which is uh West of Birmingham there, they are a city somewhat like uh, uh, Ferguson. Mm-hmm. They, they they don't have a black on the city council, but yet they make up probably about somewhere between, I would say, 45 to 55 percent of the population. And they have a large uh, uh, voting pattern and uh, uh, blacks just don't turn out in large numbers to vote. And so we are working with them to uh, ensure that they uh, are, well, they have someone to run, first of all, and then secondly, that people turn out to uh, um, cast a vote. Uh, in the municipal election for that particular city. Yeah, well, that, uh, and I've, I followed a little bit with, with the Pleasant Grove situation and, and all that has gone on there, and uh, getting some different folks on that council would help, uh, would make a world of difference, I'd say. Um, yeah. Yeah, yes, uh, yeah, we had a meeting with the mayor and the um, um, uh, uh the attorney and so you know they agree to you know the method of cumulative voting uh, but uh, but they haven't done any training which they were supposed to and of course that's about the time the coronavirus hit but uh, mm. to yeah. uh, explain that to the people how that works well good luck with that Mr. Uh, Simulton and, uh, and and with everything else y'all are trying to do I know y'all are uh, Y'all are really uh, up up against the wall most of the time there, and and banging your head against it uh, more often than not. But uh, we we at least some of us out here appreciate that work and uh, and the effort, and and uh, y'all keep it up and and do what you can. And we really appreciate you coming on with us today. All right, thank you. I appreciate you all having me. Yes, sir. Thank, thank you. you. Bernard, appreciate you. Right. Thank you, Dave. You know, I, I know they're busy. I know they they've got a, a ton of things going on uh, around there, and. Um, and really, in this state, why wouldn't you? You know, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, you're working for for a civil rights organization right. in Alabama. You right. know, you don't have enough arms. Yeah, no uh, days off, man. Yeah, no days uh, off. and so uh, but we, uh, you know, we we are appreciative uh, for uh, Mr. Something coming on, and yeah. uh, and and they they've done good work, and uh, and maybe uh, may I, you know, you you could hear kind of the discouragement in some cases and in some instances there with him, but uh, um, maybe this is the turning point that he talked about uh, as well well i just want to i want to commend him bernard is he's a veteran of the air force i believe it is Mm -hmm. and is just a just the nicest he got a very nice calm demeanor Mm -hmm. um with a little bit of preacher in him he can get a little fiery (laughs) in uh in public settings but still has a real nice calm demeanor he's just a great guy 
hardworking, really trying to, uh, I think, make the the state NAACP as relevant as it can. And then also I want to throw in this little side note. I don't know if I told you this or not, but you talked about Ferguson. Uh So, you know, one of my first cousins is the state rep for that area. No, I did not. In Missouri. Uh Yeah, Michael Person. He just got elected uh, this year. Oh, is that right? How about that? Small world. Small Small world world. indeed. You know, know, Mike is... Mike is one of my uh, he's one of my cousins that I always thought of as just kind of funny and goofy. Yeah. But, but this side of him that has emerged, you know, is, 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 is <laughs> so not, he's like the cousin you went really yeah, Michael like running Mike, for something. Yeah, huh? Mike running huh? for yeah, yeah, you know. But yeah, he's man, he's in there and yeah. doing his thing. Man. Good for him. Good yeah. for him. That's a big change, and I saw that last night. That's um, I'm telling you, voting. Voting yeah. makes a difference. Get yeah. out and vote, and uh, it'll, you'll yeah, be surprised. They, they just it. elected a black female as yeah. mayor, too. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. That's first first black mayor in yeah. uh, town well, history. Ferguson is changing. Yes, it is, and for the and for the better. I think uh, so. I do too. All right, we'll slide out. Uh, we'll come back, get to some uh, to some news and some right wing nuts, and uh, then uh, get ourselves out of here. Uh, right. We're back in a minute. interview with uh, Mr. Somerton. I, uh, yeah, that's my friend. Yeah. Um, Good man. Good man. Dealing with the news, and uh, and and speaking of which, we will uh, get to some of that. So we have had, over the uh, course of the last uh, seven days or so, uh, quite a few things happening around the, around the state of Alabama and the country. Um, uh, and I guess the things that probably stand out the most and the things that worth worth not not that everything isn't worth talking about, but the most uh, worth talking about are uh, the the downfall of the two monuments in the state. Uh, one by the city of Birmingham, uh, there intentionally, uh, I guess, and then another one in Montgomery. Um, and uh, the one in Montgomery is by far <laughs> by far the funnier one. Uh, but uh, well, why is that? Why is it funnier? Well, because so. I don't know how much of this I want to say. Uh, let's just say, spill it, man, spill it. Well, I I don't want things to happen for that to be returned. Okay, so mm. and I don't necessarily believe that people in my. Well, I just put it like this: I don't think it was a surprise to the leaders of Montgomery mm. that the Robert E. Lee statue outside of the high school fell. Okay. Um, it was, I, and I'll set up the scenario here. Okay. So there were rumors of these protests and things that were going to take place in the city. First of all, the amount of scared white people that I have endured over the last week <laughs> has been off the charts. I mean, and they're scared and, of what exactly? Oh, black people. Uh, and let me tell you, there, <laughs> all of it is, it is ingrained. It, yeah. it is the fear of black people is so ingrained in Southern white people uh-huh. that you can tell them anything and they will believe that shit like it's crazy, <laughs> man. 
I mean, if they believed that there were buses coming, uh, that they were going to neighborhoods to light houses on fire, that they, they were going, going around raping and killing oh, oh, it was, oh, man, yeah, absolutely. Really? Uh, yeah, the, probably top of the, the list. The savages right? were coming to town, buddy. Wow. Uh, I mean, wow. it was, it, you You had no idea. They were boarding up the targets and left and right, man. Were they um, now? Oh, it okay. was, it was, wow. it, it's okay. the insanity. It's all, they boarded up the target in, in Decatur. And the, Did you see and, this? And the, I didn't see that, but the, but what was cracking me up is when you look at who's actually doing the agitating. I know it's it's it seems white like it's people. white people. Yeah, so, but they're scared of black people. I know it, it's so what it's the freaking hell. Well, and, and on that crazy. one, they, they boarded up the target indicator because somebody went and yeah, you know, so they had a good protest indicator, had a nice march yeah, and, uh, yeah, and 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 a good one. Yeah. Uh, and but they took somebody went online and took the flyer for that. And they just at the bottom added this thing about going to the target at 7 p.m. or 6 p.m. or whatever. And every cop indicator was there. They had the place boarded, <laughs> shut down. It was insane. So, I'm, look, it's just, you know. Lord have mercy. Uh, not the target. Anything but the target. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> please, God. Oh, God Almighty, please. Don't no, take, Jesus. Oh, not the target. Please don't take the target. Please don't take the target. <laughs> Well, uh, the phantom couch has got to be used. Oh, I got the vapors. Uh, but so, uh, so under this uh, uh, extreme amount of fear and anxiety that has taken uh, place and gripped the city of Montgomery, and you know, so they had cops out everywhere, all over the place, you know. And okay. Stephen Reed handled it, I thought, very, very well. Yeah, he's, he's, uh, sure. he's really showing his yeah, mettle as yeah. a mayor. I, really I thought he's, did, I thought he did a very good job. Uh, and uh, but so, so they they were completely prepared for all sorts of things in this city there. Yet somehow. Over the course of maybe, say, an hour, hour and a half, mm-hmm. four people managed to slip in, slip into this school where the, one of the two Confederate statues in the city uh, was standing <laughs> and knock it off its pedestal hmm. very, very quickly. I mean, a big, big you know, metal statue. Yeah. And get it off its pedestal very, very quickly uh, without any interference. Now, this is along, along at the kind of sort of at the intersection of two busier roads in, okay. in Montgomery. Okay. Uh, the the main Madison drag that got, turns into eventually Atlanta Highway and, uh, and then Ann Street that comes through. So I'm sensing a deep level of suspicion here. I, 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 and then, and then just... As luck would have it, or bad luck, depending on your viewpoint, they messed up the warrants when they wrote them out, and so now the DA can't charge them. <laughs> so this is a deep state conspiracy that you're putting forward? Here? I just think that there is possibly uh-huh. uh, a feeling mm-hmm. that it's time to rename some schools in Montgomery, uh, and that this may be the first step towards a Rosa Parks High School or something along those lines. Um, so, and, but, but who are the culprits here? I'm not naming any names. I don't know. I'm just I'm just throwing out there that I think when I saw what, theory. what I saw what was going on or what was planned uh-huh. and what was going and then what happened. I was very very humored by the whole thing. Okay, <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. I was very very humored by okay, it. Okay. Um, now. 
I'll say this. The, the, the statue in Birmingham in Lynn Park. I told Woodford to tear that thing down months ago. He should have torn it. You tell me when they should have torn that thing down? The day that judge, the circuit court judge, ruled in their favor and said that, that they could do whatever they wanted to with it, mm-hmm. uh, that it was their property, the state had no right to intervene in their in their affairs mm-hmm. over there because if it was up to them to do the upkeep, then it was up to them to determine how they wanted to handle their parks and if it was harming their citizens and they didn't want it there anymore, harming their income and uh, whatever – Get it out of there. Mm-hmm. He should have torn it down that night. Now, I know he faced, I know about the calls, and I understand his point of view, but, you know, I, whatever they would have done to him would have turned him into the most famous mayor in America overnight and, mm. and would have shot him to the roof. And I mean, you know, like that. Might, might be looking at him as a VP contender. Yeah, right now. exactly. And so, you know, I, you know, but. Nobody takes my advice anymore, so, uh, you know, or ever. Uh, but it's, uh, yeah, it was good to see it come down regardless. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I assume it's going over to some memorial or someplace Which else. Which is where, it, it, you know, all, my thing has always been, you want to pay for that stuff with private money, God bless you, do mm-hmm. your thing. Mm-hmm. But I don't think, I don't think any of our tax dollars should be spent promoting, protecting this racist, evil legacy, mm-hmm. not to mention that it was also freaking traitorous. Mm-hmm. Well, here's my always been my position on this is, uh, you know, in, in Montgomery and all across this state, there are markers, historical markers set up that, mm-hmm. that provide you with a historical story uh, and facts about certain sites. Uh, in Montgomery, famously, downtown, there is a mon- uh, a plat there that uh, that notes where the slave markets were and told mm-hmm. about what the dates were, what happened, what was going on at this site or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing for a lot of the Civil War battle sites, a lot of the older homes around here, uh, you know, in the old bank building when it used as a hospital during the Civil War. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there, there are a lot of markers like that that tell a historical story and provide the historical context for people uh, that that. that just that's what you want out of this, right? Which is perfectly yes. fine, but it's not promoting. Right, it's not or promoting. Protecting. A monument to Jeff Davis is a monument to Jeff Davis. That's right. All right, it's that's a right. monument to Robert E. Lee, and it's a promotion of yes. the Confederacy. Yes, it's a promotion of it's those men. And you don't don't tell me that they weren't in support. Oh, well, you don't understand the complex. I understand that those guys lived in a complex time or whatever. So did Hitler. All right, and we're not putting up. We're not putting up monuments and, for Hitler. And by the um, way, so did the abolitionists who opposed slavery. They lived at that yeah, same time. Exactly. Yeah, so all those people knew it was wrong. That's a bunch of BS. Yeah, there was a whole lot of white yeah. people that knew it was wrong. They that's came right. down here and we killed them. That's all right? right, or chased them out, called that's them right. carpetbaggers, and all that other kind of nonsense. That's a whole lot so, of BS. Uh, a whole yes. lot of BS. And, and so there were people who knew it was wrong. So yeah. don't say it's a cop out for people to say, "Well, right. it was just the times." That they it was knew. a man of his time. It was a man of his time. He didn't know. But yeah, well, but he didn't have any problem killing you know a hundred thousand people to that's right you know to, and leading an army in to to, to die over this yeah, whatever yes uh yeah and and the, well, the civil war was about states rights states rights to do what to own slavery there you go i mean it doesn't matter do, read the cornerstone I speech i keep telling people read the cornerstone speech you have no questions about what the Civil War was about. Just read every state's secession papers. Mm-hmm. Every mm-hmm. single state's secession papers. Mm-hmm. Ever, and then come back and tell me that the Civil War and secession was not about slavery. All right? You can't. No. You it's, can't. It's, a, it's an impossibility. Yeah. And people who want to talk around it want to talk around it. And, and I don't know. It's just like, what are you... What are you doing at this point it's in time? Delusional. I mean, I don't understand why it bothers anybody. Why is it? What the hell do you? 
care? Why? Why well, don't you talked about something much earlier? You talked about this fact that that people are deeply ingrained, mm-hmm. right, to believe certain things. Well, this is a part of what people have been deeply ingrained to believe. But why? I, I just I don't. All right. So if my great 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 grandfather was a, a bank robber. The hell do I care if you tell me he was a bank robber and bank robbing's wrong, right. you know? So, so, and I and I get your logic, and I think you're you're using a logic that that I think is, and I'm just going to be brutally honest. I think is rare, hmm. uh, or I won't say maybe I shouldn't say rare. I'll use another word that is in a minority among white people. Mm-hmm. White people, generally speaking, in this country, I believe that white people. Uh, a part of being white is you have to make a decision about whether or not you're going to justify mm-hmm. your existence that has been propped up by white supremacy and white privilege. You have to decide, am I going to justify this mm-hmm. or am I going to confront it for what it is and and acknowledge that truth and then move forward. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people, because they see justifying it, you know, they don't want to indict themselves. They don't want to indict their relatives or mm-hmm. their ancestors. So they then decide, well, I'm going to justify it to the extent that I can. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's passively, maybe it's benignly, but they still do it. I'm, I understand what you're saying, and I don't disagree. I just, I still can't wrap my head around. Why? Why? Why do you? What? What harm does it cause you to say, man? Self worth. But what? What sort of self worth are you getting out of? uh, Out of the wrong kind. Putting down other people, or or just saying exactly. You know, look. I think that what's happened to this group of people has been wrong, and I'm I'm going to make sure that me and my people. Don't do that. Exactly. You're exactly right. That's, that's that's How does that not give you more self-worth? Well, you know, look, man, I don't disagree with you, but I'm just I'm just trying to say that at least in my estimation, the reason you have come to in my opinion the right conclusion, but you got you know these other folks who come to a different conclusion because of their fear perhaps of what you know not indicting the rel- their relatives, their ancestors in this system, mm-hmm. you know, their fear of what that will mean. And so they just conclude that, okay, rather than deal with all of that, yeah. I'm just going to try to justify it or deny it or pretend it doesn't exist or something like that. Or they're just dumb. Uh, I mean, I know. Listen, I, I think that's a, listen. I think that's a part of it. Okay, I do. Really, I do. I do think that. I do think stupidity and ignorance is is a, is a big part of it. And I think that 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 stems from uh, their their raising, uh, as okay. we say here in the South. You know how how them how them boys and girls are brought up, mm-hmm. uh, and they wasn't brought up right. Uh, and you know, I think that it it stems from a lot from that. I think that they have not tried to. Uh, first of all, I think a lot of people. Uh, a lot of white people have worked their entire lives to isolate themselves from people who don't look like them. Yeah, right? yeah, uh, yeah. So I know in, in Montgomery, well, one of the blackest cities in this state, uh, there are people uh, whose children go to school and encounter maybe one or two black people their entire childhood. 
Um, you know, that is by design. Yep. And that is yep. when you have that and you have this attitude of that thing and this ignorant attitude of what's going on, you don't understand this, these other people who you never go to school with or never interact with. You don't mm-hmm. understand them. So you have this ignorance about you that does not. Uh, that that leads you to believe ridiculous things like they're coming on a bus to loot your homes, you know? Mm. Uh, And it's just, I've never, that's why I said, I I guess it was last week we were doing this, that that, uh, leaving when we left Montgomery, uh, I missed a lot of the people in the city, but I don't miss the attitudes there because I think it did uh, much more so than any place I've ever lived or, or even been in. Uh, it, it was so prevalent there, this attitude of racism and uh, and a separation of the races and this fear of black people and, uh, uh, you know, and just I, I've never encountered anything like it. Uh, but uh, so I think a lot of that is the ignorance that plays into this. Uh, and, and so I, but I've, I've still keep wrapping my head around it. Well, you know, fear. You know, you talk about again how people are inculcated to to sort of believe certain things, and mm-hmm. a lot of that takes root because what's in the soil of their minds is mm-hmm. fear. Mm-hmm. They have a fear of the unknown. They have a fear of of their lives changing in some dramatic way. There's just there's just a lot of fear there. Yeah. You know, the very idea it's it's laughable to me that. That some group of black people would would spend their hard earned money and resources renting a bus yeah, no. to go down to Montgomery to rape, pillage, and loot. I mean, nice. why? Uh, what? If we got the money to to, to get a bus, yeah. we're not doing that. We're well, going to go someplace else and have some fun. You know, but it, it even goes it even goes more to just the day to day. You yeah. know, the day-to-day attitudes and beliefs that these people have about black people. And because you hear them so often when they're talking about policy decisions and social programs well, don't and you things. Think, Josh, you're making a great point. And, and let's, let's flip it. So don't you think that a lot of this is just in what psychology they call projection? Uh-huh. Okay. So, you know, back in the Jim Crow era... Uh, you know, the, you know these these black men are trying to rape our women. Mm-hmm. We're going to lynch them. Mm-hmm. Well, in reality, it was white men mm-hmm. who were raping black women. Mm-hmm. It was white men who were who were doing that. Black yeah. men were too damn scared to rape any white women. Right. Right. Yeah. So it was projection mm-hmm. again. You know, white you know white people who know history. Mm-hmm. Understand that the societal structures and policies and mores and laws have all been designed to accumulate and protect white wealth Mm -hmm. and preserve it, right? Yes. So then their fear is, oh, my God, we've done these things. We've we've perpetuated evil Mm -hmm. through a system. And now if if black people are in charge, they're going to turn around and do the same thing. Mm. Uh, See, I don't know. I don't, I don't. I, I can't. I haven't been around a lot of them. Okay. There are. You, when you say them, you mean white people. white people? Yes. Okay. Right. Uh, yeah, we we go to the meetings. Uh, I'm <laughs> invited. Meetings. I'm still invited. Uh, I go to both meetings. Uh, uh, <laughs> one of the few. Uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, so, but I think that uh, there are. I think there are very few white people uh, in those positions who. 
uh, play it out to that degree. I think that for the most part, what they are concerned about is protecting what they have. Mm-hmm. Uh, that they are. It's the same reason for the schools uh, situations. It's the same. You know that they are. Um, you know, I give you a great example. Montgomery has the magnet school program there. Mm-hmm. Um, that that magnet school program has siphoned away thirty percent of the top students from every school in that city for the last twenty years or however long it's been there. Uh, that's a hell of a problem. You remove the top 30% of your students from every school. First of all, it kills your test scores and it removes the peers that you're wanting your, your other students to emulate and to guide your students and to be leaders and to be, right. you know, and to have these kids in these classes to help, you know, spur conversation and, uh, you know, and to be models for these other kids. It kills it and they know that it kills it. And for years, for years, I have, oh, I, I can't tell you. I can't tell you some of the things people have said to me uh, when I have brought up killing this magnet program. Just tell one. Just tell one. Uh, uh, well, I mean, yeah. Well, since I can't get into the meetings, I, I'm not light enough. Yeah, right. I'm light, but I'm not light enough. I understand. So. I understand. That's yeah. a, well. So uh, from from our last meeting, uh, <laughs> let me go back to the minutes. Uh, but so uh, uh, it was. <laughs> When when I when I told them that what they sh- if they wanted to solve this problem they should end that magnet program put the they could keep the magnet program but end the separation of the magnet program right. and put it in put those programs back into these schools they t- <laughs> said you do that and you won't have a white person left in this school district and That's I said I said well. You know, and, and he said, "Oh, yeah, well, let me tell you this: you're gonna put your you're gonna put your kids in those schools with those animals." And, oh, uh, oh, that oh, we're uh, talking about dogs, cats, uh, it's, and, uh, and it's, hamsters. It's or unsafe. What kind of animals it's, are we talking it's, about? It's unsafe in those schools because you know a bunch of black kids. Uh, oh, the black kids yeah. were the animals oh, in this of conversation, course, yes. not dogs, cats, and hamsters. Of okay. course, they were, and okay. and so, but mm. that's what I'm saying. I think that's what their interest is, and it's a. Uh, you know, on some level, you you understand the wanting to protect what they have and wanting to protect their children and in their minds, even as misguided as they are, you kind of understand it to a degree. But when you look at the long term effect and the long term problems and the way that it is crippling the school system and the city and everything that goes into it, you think, my God, why? You know, what were you doing? And that's why I'm telling. Them, look, if you tell me that I my choice here is. Uh, is to either continue this nonsense that's taking place here or that we can make this change and my daughter could go to and participate in the magnet program if she can get in uh, while it's in these schools. That's exactly what I would do. A hundred percent. No, no problem whatsoever. But you know, it just, they don't, they don't see it that way. So they want to protect what they have. And then in protecting it, they further that. And then you have, then you add the idiots in with it. Uh, and, and I think that that's where we are. Let's go back to, before we, we run out of time, let's just quickly go back to the animals content. Mm-hmm. Comment. I want to know what the, what type of person is characterizing black children as animals. I want to know what the look is on his face or her face when this is being said. Like they're discussing a trip to the dog pound, uh, you know. Uh, and and I'll be I'll tell you this: uh, I've had a couple of people who have said such things to me have been teachers uh, in that in the school system in Montgomery. Okay. Um, and, um, and and you know it's. Um, <laughs> It is a. Uh, you know that revealing all this information, they're not going to let you in, in many more meetings. 
<laughs> well, that's uh, they're going to kick listen, you out of the club. I, let me tell you this: if I hadn't been kicked out of the meetings by now, <laughs> 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 all right. <laughs> uh, and who are we kidding? Uh, these people couldn't put together a meeting. Uh, uh, it's uh, it's just it's just disappointing to me to know that there are people out there that that would choose this level of of ignorance and um this level of of hatefulness yeah, um, yeah. when it costs them nothing nothing at all to just to be kind uh and and to uh you know show some inclusivity and some equality and uh you know uh, and to and to check themselves on what they think about things and it just it costs you nothing, nothing at all, and I've never understood it. As a matter of fact, you're a better person for it. You, you don't. I mean, some of that. Some. Of, I look at what people do. It's got to be exhausting, for God's sakes, to go around and pull pulling these schemes constantly. When it would be so much easier to just say, "Listen, how can we do the best thing for everybody here? How can we do that? How can we do the best thing for everybody?" Uh, instead of pulling these schemes constantly to to placate to a handful of people here or there, while you. Ex- exclude all these other people and then have to come up for excuses for why you're excluding these people. I don't understand, but that's where we are. But so that brings us to our right wing nuts of the week, um, which will go back to the monuments discussion. And uh, it's not, I think that we, this week, our, our right wing, our right wing nuts of the week should be. The two words are not interchangeable in this case. Which one? Right and white. Uh, well, yeah, probably, uh, probably always are. Um, but well, in this case in particular, yeah, and in yeah. this one particular, yes. So uh, we're going to give it this week to the Alabama State Legislature, um, and you know, I know there have been a, a handful of folks uh, that have attempted to undermine uh, what we're discussing here. But uh, and so you listen, if you have, then you know, exclude yourself, uh, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. For the majority of them, there has been no political will whatsoever over the course of the last 75, 45, 45, 45 years. Is that right? 45 years? 45 Uh, years. Yeah, 75. Yeah. And so, so over the last 45 years, there has been no political will to defund the most well-funded state park in this state which is the Confederate Memorial Park in Clanton, Alabama. Uh, that state, that, that park, while we cut funding for everything, didn't give out pay raises to teachers and state employees, that park there received its annual allotment of about $600,000 this year. I think it was 636000 that it received. Uh, it, has, it runs a surplus every single year. Uh, there, uh, it receives. In in some cases, it has received uh, more than all of the other parks combined. Um, but it stays in our budget. It is in our state budget that we fund this thing every single year. And in 2012, uh, when there was an effort to uh, take away some of that funding and divert it to other state parks into the Civil Rights uh, Museum in Birmingham, uh, it was. It did not. It didn't make it to the floor. Didn't receive a single vote. Didn't make it to the floor, and was given the Shroud Award, which uh, annually goes to the bill that is presented that is the deadest upon arrival, which Ooh. means it has no chance whatsoever. Uh, and the people joked about it. Uh, so, you know, 
that's where we are. That's, you know, you find what you care about. Right. So this is a little, really obscure park in an obscure town mm-hmm. that is designed or that, that whose sole purpose or mission is to promote using state tax dollars to promote and protect mm-hmm. a legacy that is innately evil, mm-hmm. immoral, and traitorous. Uh, yes, uh, and and I'll read. I, I a matter of fact, I tweeted something out about it uh, today, and uh, uh, this is on. Uh, this is kind of a description from a 2018AL.com story about this. It says, The glass cases display and describe the rifles, sabers, bayonets, cannonballs, uniforms, eating utensils, and many other artifacts from the 1860s conflict. The museum displays a variety of Confederate flags, including some that were carried on battlefields. Exhibits depict the hardships the war brought to white Southerners, including the plight of soldiers who returned to their families with crippling injuries. A narrative panel says that four million slaves lived in the South in 1860 and says that Southern leaders warned that emancipation would mean certain economic ruin and probable social chaos so that's what we're fun protecting uh, and promoting yeah and with state and dollars with, with state dollars yeah. and let's not forget we have a museum in montgomery of history and archives there mm-hmm. archives of history uh that would would do a far better job right. with this uh mm-hmm. and presenting it and presenting it accurately and fairly and in the context that it deserves uh so to me, if the, if somebody wants to pick up the tab for that out of their own pocket, God mm-hmm. bless them. You know, yeah. I don't care. Yep. But if if somebody wants to continue to say that the state of Alabama should be allocating a portion of his budget, I don't care how minuscule, mm-hmm. to supporting this, that's where I say this is tremendously problematic. Yeah, it could go to so many other things, uh, and and it could have, at, at a time there, it could have really helped out a lot of state parks that were suffering uh, yeah. from funding cuts and budget cuts, and a lot of them have never recovered uh, from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have lost facilities. Uh, the I, I know the Joe Wheeler State Park uh, up near Rogersville, up there, It it that place was a dump. I, I, I was supposed to have cleaned it up over the last couple of years. I don't know. I haven't been there, but uh, I know that it was really, really struggling uh, for a while. Well, for me, the whole the whole thing is, and I mean, of course, budgetary considerations are important, mm-hmm. uh, and fair allocations are important. But for me, the real bottom line is, why in the world is the state of Alabama in the business of promoting something that was immoral, evil, and traitorous, and that is offensive mm-hmm. to a huge segment, if not the majority of its citizens? Well, it's um, it's because. Uh, you know, when this was passed and this was done, this was a middle finger to the civil rights movement exactly. that took place. And, exactly. uh, you know, so many things, so many statues and stuff. You, if you look at all these statues that they're, they're talking about tearing down, so many of them yeah. uh, came around in the early 1900s, which was when the first sort of these, uh, uh, you know, racist movement started first, to kind of stamp down. Backlash mm-hmm. to the, the freeing of the slaves. That's right. Yeah. Uh, that's, for right. The, that, yeah. that, that's when the first one yeah. started coming around. The next one, you'll find a lot of these these statues and things and monuments popped up in the 50s and 60s. Sure, in response uh, to Brown v. Board of Education yep. and then Civil Rights Act, Voting Rights Act, yep. etc. Yeah. Yep, uh, so it's uh, 
you know, this is this is where we are, and if uh, you know, you can talk to people all day long uh, about how how things have changed. You want to present this image of Alabama as a, as a changed place, as a as a place where we're not racist, uh, where we're not where we don't support and protect racist ideas. If you want to do that, change some of these things. Stop protecting go. these That's stupid right. monuments. Right. Change the funding patterns for some of this stuff, and and stop acting the way you're acting. Stop celebrating the Confederacy. Take the names off of these damn school buildings of these damn Confederate generals and these state parks that are named after them. And and I even think the streets that are named after them. Relegate them to historical treatments only. Yeah. Yeah. We need to know the history. Well, how about we name them? We don't need to celebrate. how How about we take every one name for a Confederate general or president or whoever and instead, name it for uh, a northern general. So, I mean, don't the winners usually get the trophies? Well, that's usually how it works. Mm-hmm. And I'd even say, uh, you know, the people who really saved this state and the nation are people like the the woman that you've named your daughter mm-hmm. after, Rosa Louise Parks. Yes. Or, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. or, or Ralph Abernathy or Edie Nixon. Mm-hmm. I mean, we could Viola Liuzzo. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we could we could go. Uh, Reverend uh, James uh, um, Jonathan um, Daniels. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we could go down the line. Yes. You yeah. know, I mean, whites and blacks. Whites and blacks. There are so many good people. Mm-hmm. So many good people who did good things and had contributed to society in such a positive way. Uh, that the idea that we are clinging to these men, mm-hmm. uh, you know, no matter what sort of uh, of excuses you hand them uh, to say the time that they lived in or whatever, they we all agree at this point what they did was wrong mm-hmm. and the way they've acted was wrong. So why are we honoring them? Mm-hmm. Why? So. Uh, all right. I think uh, on that happy note, uh, we're going uh, <laughs> to get ourselves out of here. And uh, and, and hopefully, um, you know, I, I don't know. Hopefully over the next week, some things get better. Uh, and I, whatever better looks like, that's what I hope happens. And uh, and and maybe, you know, the discussions that, that we've had and that others will have, maybe that they'll help out a little bit here or there. Hope so. All right. All right. Uh, we'll be back in a week or so. Till then, see you guys later. Thank you.